The Welcome to the Show podcast is independently produced by me, Manny Gomez, and CT. Help people find our show by taking two minutes to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. What's up, everybody? It's the Welcome to the Show podcast. This is part two of our Screwball special a re-releasing of two interviews we did surrounding the Screwball movie, which is available now on Netflix. Uh, again, Screwball is, uh, is a story about the Biogenesis scandal. In part one, you listened to the entire interview we did with Billy Corbin a couple of months ago. Uh, this is part two, an interview we did with Porter Fisher, who is the whistleblower that basically unraveled this whole story and made it possible for us to know what was going on in in Miami at the time of the biogenesis scandal. Um, This is Porter's first podcast he's ever done, so the beginning of it might sound a little iffy. You may not know what's going on, but eventually things start to warm up, and Porter's very generous with his time and, and his honesty and you know we we thank him for for coming on the show so without further ado here's porter fisher in part two of the screwball special what's up everybody it's the welcome to the show podcast brought to you by audible go to audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show to get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download that's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show for those of you listening at home that's the fourth time we attempted that opening and we're keeping that shit hell yeah what's up ct what's up man how's it going i'm good i'm good man so yeah. uh yeah, we're going to talk to, in a little while, you're going to hear an interview we did with Porter Fisher. We just want to kind of give you a preview of the interview and talk about why we decided to interview Porter Fisher. Um, so let me start off with this. So for those of you who don't know, Porter Fisher is best known at this point for his his involvement in the whole biogenesis scandal. Um, the whole thing is detailed in in grave detail in that in Screwball, the Billy Corbin movie. If you haven't done so already, check out our interview with Billy Corbin. It was awesome. Um, so anyway, Porter Fisher. Basically, we know about Biogenesis because of Porter Fisher. Essentially, what happened was he was a client of Tony Bosch's. At the time, he thought that Tony Bosch was a legit doctor. Turns out, Tony Bosch is a fake doctor. Um, it turned into an, he turned into an investor later on, uh, he invested $4,000 in Tony Bosch's business at a time where Tony Bosch was hitting rock bottom and Tony Bosch didn't pay his debts. So what did Porter Fisher do? He decided to, t- you know, go into the biogenesis office, uh, in off hours and he took some documents from from Tony Bosch's uh, filing filing system or whatever whatever kind of system he had. Uh, from there, he decided to take it home, make copies of everything, and from there, the shit hit the fan. It, it got in the hands of a Miami News, News Times reporter, and got in the hands of the Carbone family. It got in the hands of Alex Rodriguez. It got in the hands of everybody at that point. 
Um, I know that I'm missing some details there. I know that that he tried to return the files and they were eventually stolen out of his car or something like that. Um, So that's why we're talking to Porter Fisher. This is the first time aside from Screwball and from from stuff that you've heard in print where he's we kind of we're letting him tell his side of the story unfiltered, unedited. Um, You know, he's he's starting this thing called Porter Project and one of his missions is to come clean. So we're naming this episode "Come Clean" because this is Porter Fisher coming clean. He's 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 yeah. giving it to, he's giving it to you, and um, I don't know if you have any reactions about the interview, uh, CT. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, first reaction after the interview was like uh, I had a different perspective of of Porter Fisher compared to what I, you know, the opinion that I had formed of him in the uh, Screwball movie. And mm-hmm. by the way, the Screwball movie has all the details that you need to know about this whole biogenesis scandal and it's an, it's a great movie. So if anybody listened to our interview with Billy Corbin or is going to listen to this interview with, with uh, Porter Fisher, just make sure, you know, connect all the dots by watching uh, the screwball movie. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, you know, my, my, my initial reaction was just that, you know, uh, I, I respected Porter Fisher a lot more after we interview him than from watching the movie. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, watching them. So when you watch a movie like Screwball, the thing about a movie like Screwball is that it doesn't necessarily play like a documentary. Like, you know that you're you're dealing with real people, but the way the story unfolds and how absurd the story is, you start to you start to look at it more like a non like a not a nonfiction, like a fictional story. I don't know if you felt the same way, CT. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I felt like, oh, my God, these characters are are nuts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you almost couldn't believe it exactly at every turn there was there was something you couldn't believe so you kind of you 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 forget that these are people that are in front of the screen and and i held an opinion of porter fisher prior to talking to him that perhaps he might not have appreciated like i you know i yeah i'm not gonna lie i share i've said some things about him not not necessarily in public there were some things i said in the billy corbin interview that might have been on the surface or whatever but I kind of I thought the guy was a moron, and I I thought the guy was was not using his brain or whatever. But then after after talking to him, he's completely changed my opinion of him. He to to me the way I see Porter Fisher now, and I hope that this is your takeaway from it, from him when you listen to this episode. Um, but of course, I don't want to sway your opinion. It, your opinion is yours. You 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 know you choose how you view Porter Fisher. I view him as a very uh, commendable figure. Like I wish. At least the way he depicts himself, because again, I've only talked to him over the phone and and for this interview, uh, he's he's a very righteous person and he wants to do what is right and 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 that's kind of that seems like that's his code, and um, according to him, he's been offered money for a lot of information and stuff, and he said no, he he didn't get any money for any of this stuff, you know what I mean? Aside from the four thousand dollars that was owed to him, uh, so. I just wanted to get that out there um, and be honest about the way I felt and how I feel now. Um, and I, I honestly, I hope that Porter Fisher, that this can somehow help to get him out of this hole. He describes himself as as being in a hole since this happened. I hope that somehow this can get him out of it and, and that people will accept him for who he is more now. I know that sounds yeah. like sappy and shit, but I'm just trying to be honest. Yeah, it was a good interview. I was going to say that... Uh he he ha- he he definitely brought a different energy to you know compared to the people that we've interviewed before and uh I'd be happy to have him back on the show as well. Yeah, and by the way, 
some of the things he did aren't redeemable too. Like we said, he he did break into Tony, but well, not break in. He had keys to the place. He did go into Tony Bosch's office, and he did take records without, you know, letting anybody know that that isn't you know, if if he thought that Tony Bosch was a legitimate doctor at that point, maybe he figured it out. There are such things as HIPAA violations. You're not supposed to take patient records and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So he yeah. did do some things that are not forgivable. But in the end, his his goal was to do the right thing. At least that's the way I feel at this point. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any more reactions, Sete? Um, hmm, no, not any more reactions. I think everything is, is in the interview. And, uh, yeah. Word. I agree. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Without further ado, here's Porter Fisher. CT, let's talk about Alex. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Let me ask you something. Why? What is it? I mean, besides it, look, his, his play on the field, you really can't refute. The guy is a very, very talented ball player, you know, and I've said since, since day one that this wasn't, uh, you know, Porter against Alex and something like that. He was just collateral damage. He was a patient of, of Tony Bosch's that just happened to be the biggest, brightest star in the batch. And, you know, I didn't walk him and go, hey, buddy, look at Alex. I just walked him and said, hey, look at Bosch. And everybody, all those ball players and all those other people, and there were people from other sports and there were other people, you know, high profile people in Miami, you know, judges and police officers and so on and so forth and children that, that fell under that. But my, my focus was on Bosch, not, not his patients or his clients. And Alex just happened to be one of them. And so when people say, Hey, what do you think about Alex? I don't have a whole lot, you know, to say against Alex because I think he's a very, very talented ball player. I don't necessarily agree with the way he works the media and some of the stuff he did during this whole you know saga was i don't i guess pretty underhanded but it was pr driven and he was kind of trying to save his own skin you know but you're a big fan of uh alex's and his marriage to j-lo or his <laughs> engagement to j-lo and you're like oh yeah alex is uh, besides his film the play is there anything you see redeeming about his personality uh, first of all, let me thank you for listening to our, our show because I had forgot that we even spoke about the J-Lo marriage. So thank, thank you. Yeah, it was prefaced by Crazy Conseco with all yeah, his, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. you know, and that uh, fizzled out real fast. All right. Well, for me, what A-Rod is just, he was my favorite baseball player growing up. Uh, as I got older, I noticed that he deserved a lot of the hate that he got, but he still took on a lot of the hate throughout his whole career i would say that even he probably has a bunch of fans but the majority of them were just probably just wanting to see him fail and again he deserves a lot of it but i even think back to this whole biogenesis scandal even though he's probably the biggest name he wasn't the only one you know guilty of anything in this whole thing and then you know he still came out he didn't try to hide uh and that's well, that's a, that's a well, small that, reason well, why i like a rod yeah but ct hold on he he didn't come out and he did try to hide. That's all he did for this. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he still hasn't admitted to anything. He just said, I made some mistakes. Yeah. You know, unlike his 2009 
Katie Kirk interview, he didn't say, yes, I did this. Or, yes, I did that. Now he did in DEA and court papers, but he's never come on, on screen saying, yeah, I no. did this. I did that. You no, know? He, he, he never, he never came out and admitted and said, yeah, I did this and that I did this. Uh, you know, I tainted the game of baseball or however you want to see. He never came out and said that, but he still stood on the plate and he's, st- he's still relevant today. He's still knowing what he did. You know, he's still out there you know, doing a lot of good things, whether it's a tax write-off or whether he's just doing it to present a good image. You know, he's still doing a lot of good things. And Well, the, the, what, thing, that, the thing that... that go, oh, ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, what I was going to say is you, you were saying, I think he's kind of turned the corner. And PR-wise, it looks that way, too. The only thing that I think that disappoints me, and because I'm local and because I'm here, that, that a lot of other than almost nobody else sees... Whenever you look at those pictures of from UK Mail that um, it shows J Lo and A Rod walking out of a gym, oh, they just had a great workout together. That's the same gym he was going to before all this, with the same trainer that was supplying and helping him with Bosch to do all this stuff. It's the same environment. So even after everything that he went through, and even after the court, and even after this, and even that he still hangs out with the same people. So it's the, you know, that old saying, the company you keep, you know, yeah. it's yeah. like somebody walks up and goes, Oh, Hey, you know, you just got busted for tax evasion, so on and so forth. And you go and spend your time, but then all of a sudden you get out and you still use the same accountant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You think, well, this person hasn't learned their lesson, but now because he's not on the field, you know what I'm saying? But now because he's not on the field anymore, he can't be judged or suspended or, you know, anything for his, his, you know, his plan to field. There's no risk. I'm here just going, yeah, I'm back with my old gang. I'm back with my old crew. What are you going to do about it? Mm. Yeah. Well, and now he's, me, now he's got just... Jennifer with him going in the same places. So, you know, maybe okay. she's not as smart as everybody thinks she is. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with A-Rod. And I'm so happy that we're spending this much time on A-Rod because I could talk about this all day. <laughs> but uh, here's my, here's my thing with A-Rod. Okay. So it just seems like, we're, we were all mad at A-Rod for doing the things he did while he was a baseball player. Nobody gives a shit if he did these things and wasn't playing baseball. And there's a, there's a million other baseball players that did the things that he did. Again, he deserved every, every bit of hate that he got throughout his career. But we literally have baseball players today in, in the game of baseball that just got busted last year, yet people are welcoming them, welcoming them with open arms. And A-Rod never really got that. Now, that's not the only reason I like A-Rod. I can't put into words why I like A-Rod. It's, it's a childhood thing, and it's grown into a bigger obsession now that I'm older. So oh, I can't wow. really put it into one word. <laughs> but uh, right. just, you know, I, I get it. It's like my, my obsession with Brett Favre. I, lo- yeah. I, you know, I just kind of I just love the way the guy played. I like Brett Favre. But, you know, there's, there's things off the field that people don't like about Favre. I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I totally agree about the other players because that's one thing I was kind of – every time when I see, like, Bartono Colon. He's everybody's darling. Everybody loves him, you know, but he was on the list, you know, and you never see his name tagged, you know, with the biogenesis thing. And if it is, it's just a blurb. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that these guys didn't make mistakes and, you know, they didn't learn their lesson. And again, maybe I'm just saying that because everybody is, you know, in a love fest now with A-Rod. Oh, he's the best this. Oh, look how cute he is. Look at him on social media. Oh, look at him and Jennifer. And oh, and. And, but he's made a fantastic recovery PR-wise. And to be honest, he actually is a good analyst on Fox. He really is. You know, 
but I just think it's kind of funny that all that stuff is just gone, you know, and you still see people walk up and I was just reading a, a review the other day about uh, a new movie that Mel Gibson is in. And it's always still tagged like, oh, you know, he's a great actor, but blank, 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 blank. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I totally agree with the Mel Gibson criticism, but I think it's funny that some people never get past the criticism. And A-Lodge seems that it's not even in his past. Let, let me know? ask you a quick. Yeah. Let me ask you a quick question, and then and then we're gonna delve back because I want I want the audience to get to know you to know you a little bit better. Um, okay. I in a lot of ways I agree with everything you're saying. I don't I don't think that A Rod comes out of this looking good in any way, shape, or form. Um, I do think that baseball uh, came after him, especially because he was such a good player and he kind of became the face of of the PED scandal. But oh, now that he's re- I, I now that he's retired. Yeah, now now that he's retired and uh, he's not affiliated with Major League Baseball as a player any longer, I think he's still an advisor for the Yankees. He still announces games and stuff. Um, do you, th- as a as a person who was also one of Tony Bosch's clients, so I'm going to assume that you that through him you must have taken some sort of performance enhancer, uh, HGH something. I'm not sure what you took. It, do you think no, that no, under 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 uh, under the care of a professional physician or a doctor, that these types of supplements are okay to take? Does that make sense? That question. No, no, no. I, I here's the thing. I totally understand what you're saying. And 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 here's the thing. I, I, I hope I'm explaining this correctly. When you look at the whole landscape of Tony's yeah. setup, when if you have all these ball players now. You get you make mil- well. Let me sidebar. Look at Robert Kraft. He goes to a a yeah. rub and tug place at a strip mall. You have yep. billions and billions of dollars, but if that's what you want, why would you go to a strip mall? Exactly. Now, with that little piece of information, you're Alex. You've got millions and millions of dollars, okay? And if you wanted to delve into how make how to make yourself a better, faster, stronger ball player, why would you go to a strip mall across from University of Miami to a somebody with real, no real credentials that had no real and don't use, you can't, funny thing is you can't use Manny. Don't, it had no real success doing it because at, in the movie and Tony will do it 10 times over in his interviews that he's, you know, a master at this, a doctor at this, and, and he can make magic happen. There's nothing that Tony Bosch knows that I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's that simple. It's not as hard as he makes it out to be. Okay. Now, if you were, if you were like a UM player and somebody said, Hey, go across the street, go to Dr. Tony Bosch. You'd walk in the door just like I did, mm-hmm. you know, and say, Hey, uh, I want to improve my play. So on and so forth. Because don't worry. So on and so forth. I can make this happen. I'm walking in there as a 40 something year old man. Okay. And in Miami and probably in sports radio up there and all over the place, you hear about, oh, you know, low testosterone, be a champ in the gym, be a champ in the bedroom, you know, get back to your youth, so on and so forth. That's what I was. So that's how I got started with it. And guess what? It worked. But you, my personal opinion is that if that stuff kind of is going to be able to continue in clinics and stuff like that, that it should be done by your primary physician, not these dime stores, you know, stuff in strip malls. There's nothing in the state of Florida, Florida, maybe other places that would prevent you, me and Manny to open up a wellness clinic. 
in West Palm Beach mm-hmm. and then put an ad in Craigslist for a, 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 an active physician to review blood work. We'll pay you $1,000 a week. We'll all be swimming in money. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it ethically correct. Right. And then when you have kids coming in there and parents and coaches bring in underage kids in there because they want their kids want to get an edge. Look, that's why I had the real problem. You know, I didn't have a problem with 40 year old guys walking in there. And I, to be honest, I didn't have a problem with the cops going in there. I thought it was odd that the cops are going in there saying my testosterone's in low, but they walk out looking like the incredible Hulk, <laughs> you know, Billy brought up the point about these guys being public safety and maybe being quick on the trigger or quick to, to use unnecessary force that I didn't really ever, ever think of, but he's got a great point. My problem was with the kids. Okay. And my problem was with people like Bosch, just being a little con man to people, baseball players, you make millions and millions and millions of dollars. My problem is like, look guys, if you're supposed to wear the right uniform, if you're supposed to wear a certain type of shoe, if you're not supposed to drink milk, then to make those millions of dollars, don't do it, yeah. you know? And if you're just going to cheat the system just to make yourself a little bit better and all of a sudden you get to cheat, you know, cheat the system, and get your hand slapped for 50 games, but it gets you a $40 million contract, one extension with another team for three more years, that's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, so and... do I believe all – back to your question. I, I got sidetracked, guys. I'm sorry. All these players, do I think that they thought they were doing something from a legitimate doctor and that they thought they were receiving uh, uh, real treatment from a a real nutritionist or a real physician? Maybe some, maybe normal people like me. But professional baseball players have agents, have other people looking out for them. There might have been a percentage. But people like Alex don't walk in there blind. He he knew what he was doing, Mm -hmm. you know? And if you look back at all the different stories that are written about this, there were agencies, I think it was the Levinsons, uh, that that knew what was going on and referred clients to Bosch. So... Okay, so all right, so let's let's um let's rewind a little bit and let's just get to know you a little bit, uh, Porter. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where like are you are you were you born and raised in Florida? Born and born and raised in Miami. Um, I went to uh, Epiphany High School, went to Christopher Columbus, which actually is the same high school that Bosch went to, and uh, Alex went there for a year. Um, uh, ended up going to Florida. Alex was there you... for one year. He was. A... I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you yeah, uh, ever of- run into Tony Bosch before, you know, this whole biogenesis thing kicked off? No, actually, he was the great above me. And in, and in conversations when I first met him, he knew my older sister. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Small yeah. world. I, I didn't know who he was, but, you know, I didn't, yeah, he knew my older sister. Uh, uh, which uh, is, yeah, again, which, uh, again, Miami is one of those kind of major cities that's a very small, very small town. Okay. That, you know, like two degrees separation. I see. Okay. Um, I ended up going to Florida State. Uh, uh, not an, a sports enthusiast nut, but uh, uh, you know, kind of was in the restaurant industry, and I got into the marketing industry, and and I was pretty successful at it. Uh, you know, one of those kind of go getters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in the in the movie, you know, Billy makes fun of it, and some of the papers make fun of it. And as a joke on my Facebook, I put 
to instead occupation, I put professional tanner. And I thought it was funny. Like people say, oh, professional skateboard, professional surfer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a professional tanner. It was a joke. But what's mm-hmm. funny, but more funny than that is Major League Baseball thought that that was my real profession. And they started freaking out. They started going to every tanning salon around, started shaking the trees on lotion places, trying to find me because they thought I was some kind of professional at, at this. <laughs> and so it kind of, yeah, so it kind of caught on. But it was one of those kind of things. It's just like, you know, people make a big deal out of it. But just like, you know, somebody, you know, go goes gets their nails done once a week. Or, you know, somebody's a, you know, a gym rat and they're in there doing two-a-days for six days a week and they're down to 6% body fat, that kind of thing. I liked tanning salons. I, I would go there three, four times a week and either do, you know, I, it's what I enjoyed. It was like a hobby for me. Okay. But, and it, you know, so it's like... You, in uh, watching the you, movie, I guess what stood out to me about that is is that Florida, the sunshine state, you you wonder... I, so I grew up in New York City and then moved up to New Jersey uh, dirt, while, while in high school. And I don't know if you've ever watched like the Jersey Shore or any any of those shows like that, right. but um, yeah. you know Lucky those guys are and, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly they're they're notoriously known for tanning a lot. And if you go to Jersey yeah. in northern New Jersey, there's a ton of tanning salons, and I, I get it because there's there's winter and stuff. But I in the movie they depict they depict you as someone who's addicted to tanning or obsessed with it. Would you say that you're addicted to tanning? I would I would say I like it more than the normal guy. But, um, I, yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm addicted to it by any means, but again, it's, that's, that's all perception. I do. I have a better tan than most people. Yeah. Am I walking around like, uh, the situation? No, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, gym tan, you know, laundry. I'm not that guy. I'd like, you know, when I was doing one of the Q and A's, they like somebody walks and goes, Hey, do you still tan? Like that was the question. (laughs) I was like, laughing, like, yeah, I do, but not as much as I used to, you know. So what what do you do today? Like what do you what 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 do you do to keep yourself busy today or what do you do now? Well, I, I work within an event management uh company situation and uh, we do sporting events. So I'm still involved in sports, I'm involved in mostly in football, but also with soccer. That's good. Did you so I'm assuming you watch screwball, correct? Oh yeah, I've seen like eight times. Okay. First time I hated. Okay. First time I saw it, I I hated. I got mad, so I walked out. Did you? That was my next question. Did you feel like you were depicted fairly in the film? Well, I'll be honest. When I first saw it, I did. Well, Tim Elfink, who uh, I worked with the story on from the New Times, Mm -hmm. um, he met me right before, and he he walked up and he was like, "Hey, I just want you to know, Porter, take this with a grain of salt." tongue in cheek. I just want you to relax and just enjoy. I'm like, what are you prepping me for? And he's like, just relax, just relax. <laughs> so we started watching the movie. And yes, I saw it, you know, when it first came, you know, started coming on. I was like, oh, okay, it's got a comedy aspect to it. You know, the, the kids who never met any of us, you know, the, the, the actor that portrayed Tony never met Tony. The kid that portrayed me never met me. These kids are being directed to be a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth. And I could kind of see how they could be by the way, you know, and I'm sure you guys are getting this right now. Some people are animated talkers, mm-hmm. you know? And so I could, I could see that. But what really started bothering me is every time I saw Tony, he was just yucking it up and laughing and chuckling and ha 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 ha, ho 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 ho. <laughs> I made money. I did Coke. Ha ha ha. They couldn't get me. 
<laughs> just like the most unrepentant asshole I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was getting really, really mad going because I started thinking about, you know, all the shit this guy did and all the shit he put me through and everybody else. And he's just yucking it up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, stop, stop the movie. I got to go to the bathroom. And they stop mm-hmm. the movie. Like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, give me a second. So I walked out and then came, then came back and I enjoyed the rest of it. And as I saw it more, I see, I see how it's entertaining. I see the format. I, I, I hope that people, as, and I, I'm one of those guys, I don't know how to do it yet, but I read every review. And when I see the reviews that, um, ha, 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 Tony Bosch, Tony Bosch, Tony Bosch, fake doctor, this guy, and then fake tan guy, this guy, but I never see anything about, again, the kids. Mm-hmm. The kids and the cops aren't, are barely touched. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, that's the only, everything else about the film was fantastic. I mean, Billy did a good job with him. And, it, and actually, this is kind of out, out of his realm because most of the stuff he does is um, paint by numbers kind of thing. Show, yeah. a, show a clip, you know, report on it. Show a clip, you know, dub over it. This is the first time that, you know, it's really like more of an acting kind of comedy thing. But, um, you know, when you don't see a lot of focus being paid on, you know, why Tony shouldn't be doing what he's doing and why people should walk out for fake doctors, you know, and he doesn't like that, that, that term, but fuck him, yeah. you know, <laughs> And, and for us, for us, the audience watching it from the outside looking in, it's a it's an entirely insane situation. But I can't imagine what it must be like to be in your shoes. And, I, and I, I'm assuming here that the reason why it bothers you so much to see Tony Bosch kind of, like you said, chucking it up out there, like as if, you know, nothing ever happened, is that your life must have been turned upside down by this. Um, is that right? Or yeah, am I... Mean- I- Oh, no, 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 you're 100% on. And, and the thing is, is I did say to, you know, somebody else a couple of weeks ago that um, they're like, well, what are you doing now? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to focus on this or that. But eventually, everybody asks me, so how much did you get paid? Where's the money? Oh, who's going to talk to you? Oh, you're going to get paid. Are you gonna pay? And I've never put my hand out. I'm the only person I think in the entire story never put my hand out and said, give me money. Mm-hmm. Because to me, nothing I did was about money. It was either about the kids. It was about getting fucked over. It was about, you know, standing up for myself, revenge, however, whatever you want to spin you want to put on it. It was about me not, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't about the money. Mm. There's aspects about this that I didn't like um, only because if the whole thing was so lighthearted and I guess you have to keep that way when you have kids. But at the time, there wasn't a whole lot of funny moments. You know, at the time when you're doing a, there was a car chase down Red Road, wasn't put in the film because they said they felt uncomfortable putting kids in a 85 mile an hour car chase. Yeah. There's a bunch of threats and a whole bunch of stuff getting dragged into court left and right, so on and so forth. Not no, and I'm the little guy. I'm, I'm worried about this crime family or this baseball player or MLB, you know, all these other people telling me that you're lucky, you're lucky, you're lucky. Well, I didn't feel so lucky. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to wait and bide my time and try and work out a book myself. So as I walk up and be able to tell this stuff myself mm-hmm. and God love the kids, but it won't be very kid friendly. Yeah. And so, so you know what I'm saying? What, 
support um was there anything that you wish that they had besides the car chase but i mean was there anything else that you might have left out or that they didn't include or maybe they chopped it up in a way that you didn't uh feel like it was portrayed how, how it should have been and i well look they did they 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 said that they did a lot of stuff that uh, and they researched just as much as they've ever done you know because they were dealing with some very litigious people and i agree with that because you were dealing with mlb and you were dealing with arod um tony bosch is not a litigious person he doesn't have any backbone or any backing to be a litigious person some of the stuff that tony said is only verifiable by tony there's no reference nobody will ever back up what he says um do was it a shock for me to hear that Manny Rodriguez or you know Manny Ramirez likes bedtime stories <laughs> yeah I mean if you saw the movie I was like huh I didn't know that yeah that was right but do you think do you think in, yeah do you think in any any world Manny Ramirez put his hand up and goes yeah I'll tell the world I like baseball stories and and Tony Bosch slept with me <laughs> do you do you think he ever did that? So the story only comes from Tony. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're and saying. when he says, Oh, oh, and I and I met some guy and I injected him in the bathroom of Polio Tropical. How is that possibly verified? Did the inject E walk up and said, Yeah, he did it to me? No, he didn't. So, so a lot of what Tony does is half truths. And promote he, he saw this as a promotion for himself. And what's odd is if Tony was if the FBI really did their job, there'd be a bunch of other names and pharmacies and uh, 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 LabCorp and some other locations in the whole bust. But Tony only copped to what they asked him. He didn't provide any more information. If he would have, for so that some other people know, then there'd be a whole lot more information out there. He only copped to what was asked of him. So when he said, oh, it changed my life, and I, I, I worked with MLB. MLB, you only worked with what Tony gave you. Mm-hmm. you know? and, they gave, yep. and they gave Tony a lot, a lot of money. <laughs> oh, a, a whole lot of money. And the thing is, if, if MLB was on the level, there'd be a whole much, whole, whole bunch more people. Maybe probably another, another 15 people with suspensions because of the stuff that was taken out of my car. Yeah. MLB had it, and but yeah. MLB didn't didn't enlighten the, the public to the other names, you know. Yeah. MLB destroyed a whole department of you know for the Department of Investigations. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the only person who got you know popped for that incident for the stolen documents was that kid. Uh, what was his name? Right. Um, uh, Reggie Lafleur. Reggie Lafleur. Reggie Saint Lafleur. Who, by the yeah. way, I've I've spoken with someone who claims that he that he had a partner with him at the time of, of the stolen documents. I don't know if you can confirm that because you know you were inside at the time that it happened, according to the film, um, and that that yeah. partner ended up dead somewhere. Is this true, is, or well, is this like a, this, a well, rumor? No, no. That, well, this is what I hear too. Look, I, I wish I would have seen this happen. <laughs> a whole lot of things, but I, you know. This, again, this Billy's movie is great. It's fantastic, but I could write a, a five-year series on this entire thing. Mm. I could sit there and delve into so much stuff and make this a Netflix special. 
you know, like Game of Thrones. I did hear the same thing. I heard that there was an accomplice to Reggie that afterwards, down the road, he ended up being shot. Now, the circumstances, some people I heard, and this is through, again, this is through, uh, you know, Boca State Attorney's Office and uh, through legal channels, um, because they were talking to me about, you know, now that once Reggie was, was exposed as being uh, the person, um, we're talking about uh, punishment or what I was willing to settle on, so on and so forth. So what I was being told probably wasn't the full story. It probably was only what I needed to know. And to be honest, after everything I've seen with this, I wouldn't trust anything in the legal system as far as I could throw it. Yeah. Um, but I did hear that story. Um, I do know, too, that when Reggie first got pinched, that his lawyer was making all sorts of crazy accusations like, well, oh, you know, this is a good kid, blah, blah, blah. Well, how do, know, how do we know that Porter Fisher didn't take the stuff himself? And I'm like, you know, I was talking to somebody like, don't even get into a pissing contest with this guy. Well, lo and behold, Reggie's lawyer was paid for by the Carbones. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? That's who was paying his bill. But then once Anthony, the younger Carbone, was getting pinched for an unrelated crime in Boca Raton where him and Gary Jones were going into some cigar place that Tony owned, and they were trying to move uh, M15s, steroids, and mollies. The lawyer bailed and said, I'm out, and bailed and just, just cut, the, cut the thing off. Then all of a sudden, Reggie wants to make a deal with the state. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it's, it's funny. It's stuff that doesn't get touched on. I think it's funny that in the movie, when it says Dan Mullen had an affair with the nurse from Biogenesis, right? Yeah. You, you follow me so far? Yes. Yep. The, the nurse has a little... The nurse has a little apple or a little thing on her face. It doesn't show. It just shows an, an avatar of a nurse. But that nurse sold her texts from Dan Mullen to A-Rod for $20,000. Yeah. Oh. So there's another part of the quote-unquote Florida fuckery. Mm-hmm. And so I was just wondering why she wasn't touched in the whole thing. Right. You know what right. I mean? The whole the whole thing is just really at the time when it was happening and it unfolded. You you said to yourself, "This is insane," and 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 I guess this is I don't know if this is why CT likes you know defends A Rod a little bit, but um, it almost seemed like A Rod was just a distraction to the whole thing, just like a, a big smoke and mirrors to hide everything else that was happening uh, beneath and, and, the surface. And that's, and that's the thing I've all, that's the thing I've always said. I've never walked up and said. The only thing I ever said, well, I said it in the USA article, and I said it recently, but for years I never said anything about Alex. The only thing I said about recently was, look, I appreciate what he did. I don't, you know, his bat speed was out fantastic. He was good in the field. But the fact that he kept lying to his fans and his friends, he must be some kind of asshole. And that's mm-hmm. just my opinion. You know what I'm saying? that I said that, and I'll admit that. And I, I would think that anybody could agree with me that maybe he was an asshole at the time or an asshole for doing it, but not mm-hmm. that – you're right. When you say that with all this craziness going on, it looks like Alex was just doing anything and everything with the whole Ryan Braun thing, with the whole Roy Black PR firm. 
with buying pizza, you know, and, 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 and soliciting his own cheering crowd outside of new, you know, and then going on to the, the news station. I was hearing that stuff as it was happening, you know, and it just seemed like somebody that was really, really desperate to save his legacy. Yeah. And well, especially, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. ZT. I, I, I yeah. 700, uh, 600 something home runs. And one of the yeah. most prolific hitters ever. I mean, I don't know that I wouldn't do the same thing. But once it came out and he got busted, I probably would have walked up and said, look, I fucked up. I did this. And that's where part of the, the thing I did with the Porter Project was come clean. I have a little term that says come clean. Mm-hmm. And it's more like, dude, people make mistakes. People screw up all the time. Own it. Come clean. If you're going to come to the sport, come clean. If you're going to go to a relationship, come clean. If you're going to go to a job, come clean. Be yourself. Own what you did. People all, all make mistakes. I'm no angel. Mm-hmm. You know, in the movie, I'm probably the least odious guy. I might be the dumbest guy, but the least odious guy. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I'm, I don't, you know, I mean, Alex, what he did, I, I, I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's just, he, when, when the heat gets on, I don't think he knows how to navigate himself through it. Mm. Well, I just want to say, Porter, that uh, even though I'm a huge A-Rod fan, trust me, you can say whatever you want. Don't hold back. It's not going to affect me in any way. Uh, this is... This is just—it's what it is. I—I I think Arod is an asshole, you know. But what can I do, man? You know. I'm a huge Pete Rose fan, and all of a sudden I get a bunch of—I, you know, I was getting these little debates on, you know. Yeah. Uh, on, on Pete Rose and whether he should be here or not, and, and you know, and everybody's always got something to say, like, hey, if you're gonna get on Arod, why why don't you get on? You know, Ty Cobb, or if you're going to get on this person, why don't you get on that? Everybody's got an argument. Everybody has favorite players. And that's what the, that, you know what? That's the fun thing about sports. Yep. Mm-hmm. The great thing is about sports is people have their favorite teams and, and they'll fight with them and they'll love them and they really never leave you. You know, even mm-hmm. if, if they do something that's kind of questionable, you, you kind of fight for them. You don't always condone their actions, but you do condone them as somebody you enjoy watching or following. So, again, I think some of the, the, the best things that Alex could ever do is quit hiding from what he did and turn around. And I don't think he'll ever repair the relationship he, he had with the Taylor Hooten Foundation because mm-hmm. um, he, he fucked that up twice, two, three times. So, and I could, I could feel for that. But I think he could get involved with some – he could – you know what? Let's go run a 5K, Alex. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm not the bad guy. I didn't, I didn't turn Alex Rodriguez in. You know, mm-hmm. I, I personally – I personally, and I'll say this on the record, with those kind of numbers, I hope one day he does get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I hope people, you know, people like that and Clemens and Bonds and, and all of them. That, yes, it was an error, you know. It, if he was allowed to get away with it, he did. If they all walked up and said, I made a mistake, but what I did on the field, I think that there's a place for them in the accomplishments of the game. So, hmm. Alex, I'm not your enemy. If if you want to, you know, if you want to hold something against me, well, then that's your problem, not mine. And that shows more to your character than not mine. Yeah. Okay. I have a quick question, Porter. I just want to jump back to Tony Bosch really quick because because, you know, he did, you know, at the end of the day, he's responsible for all of this. I wanted to ask you, do you forgive Tony Bosch? And if you don't, what does he need to do to redeem himself in your eyes? Um, actually, I don't because he's doing the same thing. Okay. Mm. He's doing it now. 
he, Tony, Tony Bosch is not out of business. And mm-hmm. you, you'll remember this when I said this in a couple of days. Tony Bosch is not out of business. Yeah. Tony Bosch has absolutely no remorse for what he did. And that's what my real problem is. Hmm. You know, he, uh, he got slapped on the wrist for something, served something, served a little bit of time at a country club, got paid a bunch of money for it, you know, lived like a rock star. Did, he didn't have to pay his lawyer bills. He didn't have to pay anything. Where, where, was, where was his big payment? His freedom for what, 18 months? And as he said, hanging out, talking with people from, from uh, 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 Goldman Sachs and talking to other people about quote unquote nutrition, and then getting out and saying, oh, I'm going to talk to kids about nutrition and then starting up a business again, doing the same exact thing. Where's his remorse? Is that what's happening with Tony? I'm not sure what's happening with him. What, what is, I mean, I, I should ask yeah, him personally. If I could, huh? Well, I was going to say I should, if I could get in touch with the guy, I would ask him personally. But as far as you're, as far as you know, what is he up to now? What is he doing? All I'll say right now is the same thing. Okay. You'll find out in a couple days. Same thing. Wow. And the fact, and the one, he did, he did a Q and A for which was shocked me. He did a Q and A for one of the uh, one of the screenings uh, launch weeks down here, and uh, I had Jerome Hill, the detective, that helped me out. Thing I had him go to the Q and A with Bosch to see what his if he was repentant, what kind of questions were asked, so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. And he went there and he called me back and he's like, yeah, I went like this, went like that. And he goes, well, one of the questions that was asked of him when he was on stage, they said, how do you feel about injecting underage kids, little kids, you know, when they're still developing with steroids and stuff. Now, parentheses, steroids made in a garage. We're not even talking about real steroids. We're talking about Shit, somebody mixes in a, in a in a can. Yeah. Okay. He's like, well, I feel bad about it. And somebody goes, well, what happens to them after you've done it? He said, this is him. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. Their bodies go back to normal after they stop using. Well, that just goes to show you what a dumb shit this guy is. How the fuck do you know that? How do you know what happens to a kid when you inject him? with garage-made stories, you asshole. The fact that he tried to deflect it as, oh, I didn't do any real harm, means he has no real remorse for what he did. And then he turns around and says, oh, no, no, no. Some of the parents in this Q&A, and it's on film somewhere, oh, no, no, some of these parents brought their kids to me because they wanted to get their kids off of steroids. They wanted to bring it down. Bullshit. I have the books. I know what the kids were taking. That's a flat out fucking lie. Trying to pawn it off on parents being bad with their kids. So they're going to bring their kids that are 13 year old kid is hooked on steroids. Let me get this straight. You're trying to tell me that the 13 year old kid hooked on steroids goes to you so you can take them off. Bullshit. That's a bullshit lie. Yeah. And the fact that he goes on and saying this stuff makes me mad. Yeah, yeah. So do I forgive the guy? Fuck no. Yeah. What could he do? He's going to have to do a whole lot. 
but he's going to have to peel back a bunch of layers of bullshit that I'm going to see right through that maybe other people don't, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you have any fired up there? That guy fired back. I'm sorry to get fired up. That guy fires me up. No, I mean, that's what this podcast is for, man. And you have, you have every right to be fired up about it. And, uh, what you're saying is, you know, it's, it's legit, you know, it's coming from the heart and, like I keep saying, at the end of the day, you you walked out of this, you know, and you got nothing out of it. You like you said, you've been in a hole for the past how many years now, um, and we're hoping that you know, with your Porter project and your come clean mission, I've been reading up on it a little bit, that this this gets you out of there a little bit and puts you out in that spotlight. Yeah, and you, you know what, and I, I, I you know I appreciate you guys just for listening to me because my biggest fault is my passion. I, I do. I get mad. I get passionate. I get very, very talkative. I, sometimes I have diarrhea of the mouth. But um, hold on, I don't want the feedback. But when when stuff like this, I didn't I didn't put my hand out. I don't want money. I don't want people to walk up and dump money in my lap and say, "Oh, here you go." Does that make it all better? MLB tried to do that. People tried to hand me money the whole time, and I kept saying, "That's not what it's about. That's not what this whole thing is about." Mm-hmm. And people say, "Hey, why'd you do the movie?" Did you get any money for it? No. Oh, you're not making any money? You're an idiot. I'm like, I'm just not that guy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not the guy that stands there in front of the red carpet and gets J-Lo's and stuff. But hopefully one day, I'll, you know, look, a grown man, a 25-year-old man or a 40-year-old man or a 50-year-old man wants to go to his local physician and say, hi, I can't get up in the bedroom. Can I have testosterone? Sure, go for it, dude. Mm-hmm. But if all of a sudden I'm going to offer you forty million dollars or four hundred million dollars, dude, don't don't take this. Well, then, dude, don't take it. And God damn it, don't inject thirteen to fourteen year old boys yeah. with steroids. And I said this a long time ago. Let me ask you this, guys: This would you ever give a twelve year old girl a boob job? No, no, absolutely. Ever. I have two daughters. One hundred percent, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's my question: Why? Well, I don't. I don't uh, think that. She, I don't think that she has the. You know, to me, it has to be their choice. One, and at that age, I don't think they have the, the wherewithal they to know. Developed. Yeah, they haven't developed. They don't have the wherewithal to know what it is that they want. You know what I mean? And and that's something that's life changing. It's going to change you for the rest of your life. And it, they're just too young. You know what I mean? They're not fully developed and, yet. And that's the thing. So when you have thirteen, fourteen, fifteen old boys, and you have coaches and parents saying you got to get bigger you got to get stronger and these guys haven't developed yet some of these guys haven't hit their growth sport growth sport i'm sorry and all of a sudden you're pumping them with adderall hgh three different types of testosterone and and that's the thing and then other garage made garage made stuff and you're sitting going oh no this is going to make them bigger and faster so what are you doing to that kid's body and the things that sucks about medicine is nobody knows there is no test on, hey, let's take these lab rats and do this. But there's no placebo test of let's give these kids steroids and see what happens to them 10 years later. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, oh, well, it, it causes this, it causes that, it causes this. Well, you know what? To be honest, a lot of that is guesswork. Yeah. And when they say enlarged heart, yeah, that's because you have people like Lyle Alzado or other NFL players at 40 years old that pump 10 cc's of HGH a day into their system, but mm. sl- smaller amounts like this, you don't know what it does. So for some fake, 
like Tony Boss, you go, oh, don't worry. The body goes back to normal. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. You don't know that. Yeah. So, oh, I'm a nutritionist. I'm an expert. I, I went to medical school. Well, fuck you. I'll get a plane right now and go down to Belize and get a medical license in two years. I mean, in two weeks. Because <laughs> it, apparently it doesn't take much. Right. I have uh, so Porter, real quick. Um, do you do you feel any? Do you like when you look back on this on this time? And I hate that we're spending so much time on this because I really do want to talk about. Porter no, no, Project no, it's, it's okay, and, and it's, it's, it's okay. And guess what? It's cathartic, you know. And, and and I and I said, you know, we could talk about anything, and I'm I'm the one bringing up most of the stuff. So keep going. That's all good. Um, do you wish that maybe you hadn't been in this situation at all, or? Do you do you see it as a blessing in disguise in some way? You know what? That's weird that you said that because I, somebody says, "Would you do anything different?" And if the same situation happened, I I really don't think I would have because there was only three choices: walk away, mm-hmm. get mad and beat up Bosch, or Three, figure out a way to ruin him. That's how this started. You know, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, I saw something before. That's how this started. So would I have walked away? No, you just don't slap somebody in the face and take their money and say, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. That's not me. So wouldn't be a walk away. Beat him up? Yeah, I could have. But at the end of the day, who would have really paid the price for that? Me. Mm-hmm. I would have been the one going to jail doing what I did. I think it sends a much stronger message. Okay. Blessing in disguise. Yeah. I, I think in a way, maybe I'm, I'm meant for a, a bigger purpose. Maybe, you know, I don't, if I can just be the voice of just a small little aspect, guys, you got to watch out for, for, for people pretending to be doctors, parents, coaches, you got to, you got to take responsibility for your kids. You got to take a little bit of responsibility for, for how you, you teach them about competition and fair play and so on. So kids, guys, don't do this. And then somehow, some way, find somebody in this state or this legislator, legislation that wants to do the right thing and, and, and change these laws. Otherwise, what, again, what would, my dad says, what would, what would prevent you from opening up your own clinic? And I said, Dad, because I, I, I'm not hypocritical. Why would I do that? But, yeah. but at the end of the day, if you could open up a shop or you could teach some people the right way, the kids the right way, if you go to after schools and, and talk to kids and say, hey, guys, not like Hulk Hogan, eat, pray, eat your vitamins or whatever, but guys, compete the right way. Watch out the stuff that is dangerous for you and just be informational. Then you know what? At the end of the day, it's worth it. You know, um, if I have to walk around and hide in bushes because every baseball player's cousin wants to hurt me because I ruined their career or every steroid dealer in town wants to hurt me because they can't push the little kids, I'll take that. Yep. So, Porter, I just want to say that I, I think it's refreshing to have someone that just wants to make a change and not trying to get anything out of it. So I just want to say... Uh, thank you for that. And, uh, do you, would you like to talk to us a little bit about the Porter project? Sure. And, 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 and guess what? That means a lot to me saying that, 
Um, real quick, there's a person that follows me on Instagram that I posted something and he wrote back to me on Instagram and said, just want to let you know that I read your post and it was something just as simple as, you know, stay clean, so stuff like that. And he goes, and I, I read your post and I had another conversation with my son, who's a young athlete doing judo about the dangers of steroids. And that, and it was something as simple as that, if I can make a difference in one person's life, that's great. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. And. And also, I mean, regardless if you felt that the movie did anything wrong or in some cases it's just no, something's no, right, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm glad that you did the movie because it, it was, it was, I feel like it was a one of the best movies I've ever seen that wasn't, that was just a documentary. And, and you know, I'm, I'm glad that I got to look at the different perspectives of, of everything that went down because I remember when it was happening, I felt like I was in the dark about a lot of things, so. No, and then look, and I said, Billy and Alfred and David, all the people at Raconteur did a great job. The kid actors were fantastic. I'm unbelievably happy to be involved with this. And, 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 and just by being in it actually propels me a couple steps, just like talking to you guys, that people might want to talk to me. And it might yeah. give me the platform to make a difference. Um, it is a certain perspective. And I think down the road, there's more to be told. In, in a little bit more of an adult way. Yeah. You know, because there's different perspectives and there's different things that you just can't really portray with kids. Hmm. And I understand mm -hmm. that, but I'm unbelievably happy to be involved with the project and the guy, I think the guys at Raconteur did a great job. So the Porter tell, us project, a little bit of, tell us a little bit about Porter Project. What's, what's, um, I looked into it a little bit. What's the Come Clean mission? What is your, what is your goal with the Porter Project? Well, at the time when I launched this, and it was uh, actually, I, I was thinking about it in the winter of 2013, because I was sitting in, again, I was sitting up and by myself going, how do you put a silver lining on this whole crazy thing? The world's falling apart. How do you, how do you make a silver lining out of this? And I thought, I said, well, how do you just tell people your story? What's more important? You know what? If there's some way I can just, kind of try and educate kids about the dangers of steroids and, and, and the dangers of people like Bosch, you know, and that you shouldn't be doing this at a certain age, you know, you know, just like teen alcohol, so and so. But I said, I think there's a message here. So I started to work on it and, and I'm doing this solo. I'm going, okay, well, let me see. I need to come up with a name. What's a catchy name? Porter Project. That's kind of catchy, you know? So I went with that and I opened up a website. Didn't know how to promote it. Didn't know how to do this. But, but the, the, the whole mission statement was to keep young and developing athletes uh, away, you know, aware of the dangers and away from steroids. And the, the, the theme has kept coming up, come clean. Hey, you know, if this person did it, he should come clean. And I kept hearing it. Well, if this person's guilty, they should just come clean. And I go, you know what? That has a whole lot more repercussions and just admitting to a crime. It means, Hey, if you're going to play a sport, come clean to your sport. If you're you know, going to be in a relationship, come clean to your relationship. Let your person, let the person know all about you. Don't have any secrets. Don't have any skin skeletons in the closet. And so I really started just saying, you know what? That's, that's kind of catchy. Let's I'll, I'll try and do that. But then it's not the only anti-steroid youth program out there. And Taylor Hooten Foundation does a great job with what they do, but there's little tiny differences. 
you know, they do, a, again, they do a fantastic job and I mimicked a lot of stuff on what they do, but I had a little different, different message. Clean justice is something I was talking to a reporter and they said, what would you like to really do? Like, oh, biogenesis, how could it possibly happen in Miami? And I said, biogenesis? Biogenesis is in every city in the country. Those are biogenesis in your backyard. And there's other people out there that know about it. There's other people know out there that know about fake doctors or clinics or local athletes going to a certain place or, or high school athletes going to a certain place. Everybody knows about it. Just because I exposed it doesn't mean this is the only place. And he was like, well, how do you find out? And I'm like, you know what? If I'm already the whistleblower, I'm already the rat, then people can contact me and tell me about their biogenesis in their city, whether it's Kansas City, whether it's Dallas, whether it's Spokane, Washington. They can come tell me about what they know and what they've seen, and I'll bring it to their local authority. You guys can stay quiet. You, don't, you guys don't need the press. You don't need the danger. You don't need to be called this. Time. I'll be the whistleblower. If I become the, you know, the, the Walsh of uh, America's Most Wanted, if I'm doing that for illegal steroid clinics, then maybe that's my calling. And well, the guy from, uh, yeah, the guy from the reporting was like, I've never heard of that before. That's pretty interesting. I'm like, yeah. So if I can stand up, you see all these guys stand up and, and ask for, you know, changes in laws and kind of legislation. I should stand up in front there and say, hey, guys, this is what needs to happen. That's a good way to look at it. That's, I mean, that's It is, I gotta say, it is unusual. I've never heard of something like that, but I mean, it works. I mean, if you're if you're willing to be the the guy to to put the word out there, I mean, more power to you. Are, are you afraid that that you know maybe you get a tip on on something and it involves a dangerous group of people? Is there? You, do you fear for your life in any way, shape, or form? You know what I mean? Or are you okay just just taking the hit? Well, here's the thing. I should probably feel more. I should probably fear more than I do. There was a time where I was scared to go all over the, you know, anywhere. Always carried a gun, locked and loaded, so on and so forth. I have a gun at every door. My my security is this, you know, in every single aspect. Got cameras here, cameras there. And then, to my own fault, and thanks for bringing it up, I've gotten comfortable. Mm -hmm. I've gotten comfortable back in my own surroundings, and I keep having to remind myself that. Things happen when people least expect it, yeah. you know, yeah. and there's going to be a ramp up pretty soon of activity. Am I going to have to be more aware? Sure. But at the end of the day, I'm just, if somebody calls me from Orlando and says, Hey, I know of this place. I'm ask the questions that I know that they're important. I'll be like, how do you know this place? How do you know this person? What's the address? What have you witnessed? So and so what, guess what? Your name is John Doe. And I'll call up the Orlando Police Department and say, hey, I've got a tip. And I'll hold them accountable. I'll hold people accountable for tips and action, which is what I think doesn't happen now. Mm-hmm. And if I have to embarrass them on social media, saying, hi, I provided this, 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 this to the Orlando Police Department. I'm only using them as an example. And they've done absolutely nothing. Well, you know what? Maybe these guys won't get funding they need. Maybe they'll get pressure from another publication saying these, you know, this guy's out there risking his neck and you guys aren't doing shit. Yeah. So again, it's, it's not, it hasn't been done, 
maybe that is my calling. I'm not, I don't want to hang myself on a cross, but you know, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- this would be a, something that would be powerful. I don't know if this would ever happen in a million years, but it would be amazing if it did is if, if you ever started a podcast, which you said you, you had, you were thinking about it. Yeah. I, if, I'd like to. Yeah. If you, if someone, if some athlete, you know, who's, who's, you know, fall, you know, who, who has tested positive for steroids or something or whatever, um, would come on and just come clean with you on that. That would be extremely powerful. I think. Well, um, that, that, that's one of the things I, I always thought I was like, you know what? I, I, I talked to an ex NFL player who I have a relationship with because I, I know his wife and I've known her for years. I wanted to do something with him. And here's where you went into the backstory stuff. He said, look, man, I'd love to, you know, I love you. Uh, you know, I support you to kind of, you're trying to do, but I can't. I go, why? And he goes, because of my pension. Mm. I go, how, how, how would that affect your pension? And he goes, you have no idea. Sometimes when you shake a lot of trees, a lot of apples fall, you know, that's crazy, man. So, and I'm like, you're telling me you, you, you don't want to speak out against this because you think there'll be retaliation behind the scenes for your pension. He's like, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I'm not a big fan of Kurt Schilling's political beliefs, Mm -hmm. right? On the field. I think he's unbelievable. Really appreciated what he did in the world series. But I, I, I gotta admire the balls this guy has. Yeah. On Twitter, he just, he just says whatever, you know. Oh my god! Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 oh yeah, sometimes I'm like scratching my head, going, "Oh my god, Kurt, what are you saying?" But I would love to know if he ever fears or or has received any repercussions for the stuff he says. But I don't know that he's ever spoken out against the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? I said to him, I said to Manny when I first talked to him, I don't want what I say to affect your relationship with MLB sponsor, you know, fan sided or anything like that because I, baseball hates my guts. Mm-hmm. If if Major League Baseball and Rob Benford were really honestly cared about the steroid problem, then they would have tried. They wouldn't have tried to sweep biogenesis under the rug, which is exactly what they tried to do. Yep. And there would have been more suspensions. They would have voiced that. And they would have turned over the evidence that, that they bought back to the local authorities so proper, you know, uh, legal action could be taken. But they didn't do any of that. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be a fan that I said that. But, you know, sorry, that's the way it is. Without without naming any names, we, we you know, it would be amazing to have a name, but you don't have to name a name. That That's not what we're here for. Aside from the guys that took a fall from from the biogenesis thing, were there other were there other players on there that we don't know about? Yes. Okay. Unequivocally, unequivocally, yes. From all now, sports or, again, I, or just Major League Baseball? Well, there's, there's there's other names from sports that were mentioned but weren't really yeah. highlighted. There's mm-hmm. other ball players, Major League ball players, that were in the books that weren't mentioned in the original 13 players because they weren't, they were in the second round of books. Okay. And there's other names that are out there. My only problem is when somebody says, can you give me a name after what I just experienced? My question is why? No, of course not. That's why there was no, there was no difference. Nobody, nobody made a difference. Nobody made an arrest. Nobody didn't. The only thing that happened is 
people wrote stories and they got awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, people got, you know, feed for their for tomorrow's paper, but nothing really happened. Right. So I would, I would rather call up an athlete and say, Hey, I know what you did. I've got the proof. You need to change your, your tune, right. change it or I'll change it for you. Yeah. And at the you end know? of the day, at the end of the day, what, what does it serve to know exactly who, you know what I mean? Who was doing what? The, the, the point of the, the whole matter is that this operation was, you know, our law enforcement officers were, were involved in this in this operation. The kids, like you said, were involved in this operation. That should be what our focus is on, you know? And that's the thing. There was, there was judges, and all of a sudden somebody gets four-year sentence, but it gets cut down to less than 18 months because baseball – basically manipulated going, well, you know, here, let me do this, let me do that. And they basically puppeted the entire judicial system of Florida mm-hmm. and the DEA and the Department of Justice to make sure that Tony Bosch served the least amount of time possible. And that was all cut short. Even the whole, oh, he got four years. That was a play. That was nothing more than an acting job by everybody involved. Oh, we gave him a strict sentence. Nobody was going to know that he got out. 13 months. Yeah. You know? What? Yeah. You know, when okay. somebody doesn't learn from their lessons, or somebody doesn't learn their lessons, you know, round two comes around. And when round two comes around, we're going to see how the judicial system acts this time. Hmm. You know? Um, you mentioned earlier, I just want to get this out of the way because Billy Corbin, we spoke to Billy on, on the podcast uh, yesterday. The episode is going to drop tomorrow. Um, he mentioned that that and you you mentioned it too that that one of the things that he wished he could have put in the film was this car chase. Um, right. What resulted from that? Like, what 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 was that all about? And and you know, what resulted from that whole situation? Well, basically, what it was is it was it was, um, and that's the thing. Uh, one a reporter from. The, I didn't know who it was. It later came to my attention from one of the reporters from the Miami Herald what the organization was. But it was, um, I, I thought it was one person. It was actually three cars. Okay. It was a private investigation firm tracking me. And that's the first time I really got into a situation where I changed everything I, I went to. I, I, I didn't go to the same places. I backtracked where I parked my car, I go and I'd hop. There's a construction site behind my house. I would hop over my fence, you know, to, to get to my house. Well, mm-hmm. through weird circumstances, my dog got out one day and I went on the neighborhood at like seven o'clock in the morning to find my dog. And I found my dog and I was walking them back. And all of a sudden I see this car parked on the corner and I'm like, uh Oh, and I'd already got reports from other people saying so-and-so was coming, came by looking for you. So-and-so came by and flashed a badge. So-and-so said there were FBI. Somebody said this and that. And so I just told everybody, don't, you haven't seen me. Don't talk to them. They couldn't really track where I was because I was living in the guest house. Hmm. So every time somebody came up to the main house, they'd knock at the front door. I was safe and sound in a guest house near the back. Well, this is the first time anybody ever really saw me. So got my dog back in the house and I was like, okay, I got to run errands. And I had to go somewhere. So I hopped the fence, did this, that, so on, so forth. And I was coming back and I noticed this car was following me. So made a couple turns here. So and so, the car was following me. 
So now I kind of speed it up and it turned into one of those kind of cat and mouse games where you're driving around, you're shooting into people's driveways, they drive by, you back out, so on and so forth. But then all of a sudden there was another car that I started backing out. The car slammed on the brakes. I didn't know who these guys were. And I honestly, I didn't know if they meant me. That was it. They're going to shoot me. I didn't know who these guys were. They weren't, they, they, they weren't identifying themselves. There were no sirens. Nobody was honking, but these guys wanted me. So I, I got scared. So I'm driving down the road and the speed started escalating. And what's weird is because this was right about the, the, the time school lets out in South Dade. So I'm going, it's 35 miles an hour. I'm basically going about 80 with this car weaving in and out of traffic, going on the side of the road, zipping through, just basically gunning it right through kids crossing the, the crosswalk. And these guys are on me, won't let up. Now I can't lose them. I can't shake them. So I did a, some creative maneuvering and I finally lost them for a second, parked in front of behind a doctor's office, didn't know who else to call. So I called Pete Carbone hmm. and I called him. I said, do you have people following me? He's like, no. I said, no bullshit. Are these, are the, you, you send people after me because I thought maybe he had sent people. He's like, no, it's not me. I said, he goes, why? I said, because I'm being chased. He goes, who are they? I have no idea. He goes, come pick me up. I go, I can't. You know? And we, uh, it's going to get, yeah, I don't want to be, it's a long story, but we met at a certain place. I jumped in his car. We went around. We tracked one of the guys. He didn't know who we were because we were in a different car. Pete jumps out, pulls the guy out of the car. The guy freaks out. Somebody else, one of the security guards that we're at, says something. We jump in the car. It, it was a, a crazy kind of situation, but it ended up with me bailing out and going through people's backyards to where I had my bike. Hmm. The same when I rode in the whole ES thing, I had my bike next to a fruit stand that I kept it there. I jumped on the bike and jumped and rode around the canal and basically watched Pete Carbone deal with the cops that stopped the whole situation and the three invest or the three private eyes on the crossing a busy crosswalk. And I'm hiding in the bushes basically. And uh, a cop comes by and passes me and asks me what I'm doing. I told him I was just taking a piss. He said, okay, great. And kept on going on. So I'm hiding this whole thing. And then Pete calls me up and he's like, where are you? I said, I'm watching it right now. And he's like, well, these cops are asking me this, that, so on. Can you tell them that you saw this? And I'm like, uh-uh. No. And he goes, you're going to leave me hanging on this? I said, yeah, I am. Hmm. You know? But then the, after that, two weeks later, I moved. I didn't, I didn't, I moved locations. I didn't know what these guys, meant. and I, I found out later that these guys were all PIs and who they were hired by. I don't know. Hmm. Even the Miami Hill didn't. Know. Wow. I mean, I don't know how you got through, through all of this. Um, you know, but I, I hope that well, things have. What what really hurt. I mean, this whole thing. And again, Jerome, I love Jerome. I loved him. Out of anybody, these guys, I can, the only two people I can really consider friends about, Two years after this happened, I was having a conversation with Jerome and uh, one of the girls from Minnesota that helped me kind of form this Porter project. My name was Tara Fenn, great person. Mm -hmm. um, he was telling blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, yeah, this, this, this. I said, yeah, but, you know, the time you sent the FBI and they're banging on the, on the, on the side of the building, so on and so forth. And I had to call and he goes, yeah. 
goes, we, yeah, we actually didn't expect you to be there. I go, what do you mean? He goes, he actually expected you to maybe be dead inside. And I was like, what? And he's like, oh yeah, no, no, nobody, nobody thought you were going to live. And he goes, I go, so, <laughs> well, let me get this straight. Yeah. You got my documents and you needed this, need that. And you sent me up there, but you really didn't think I was going to make it. And he's like, you know, Porter's just police work. You know, I did what I did to protect you. And I sent those people to protect you, but didn't think you were going to make it. Wow. And I was like, well, thanks, dude. <laughs> Crazy, so, man. Yeah. And that's the thing. When you look and say, hey, do I, you know, do you, do you fear? Yeah, I do. But I don't know if that's the way to live my life. Should I just pack it up and move to Fort Myers? Should I run away to Belle Glade? Should I, you know, do this and do that? I think I would have a whole lot more impact trying to, to, to you know, talk about what I want to talk about in my own hometown at ground zero. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, at least that's my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people would up and leave and, and, you know, run away from the whole situation. And I got to say, I commend you for, for staying there. You know, it kind of shows the kind of person that you are. So, you know, well, I I am, I I am lucky that all my family members don't live in Miami anymore and I'm not married and don't have kids. Mm. So I'm lucky that maybe, maybe that would have changed my mind. But right now, it's just that. What am I going to get? Snitches get stitches. Well, you know what? If me exposing a con man who abuses kids makes me a snitch, then yeah, I'll own that. Yeah. Who wants to walk up and say, "Hi, I defend people like Bush." Yeah. Yeah. You know who? To wants, me, you know. To me, to me, the when I when I think of a snitch is more like someone who was uh you know involved in it in a way that they they too were doing their own fair share of dirt and then but for so then they can save themselves they snitch so i don't really consider you yeah, they walk up and they got they got you know. pinched for something and they walk real oh well give me a deal give me a deal and again a lot of things when people say snitches get stitches i think that's all movie generated i think it's yeah. people who grew up watching something like godfather or, or scarface or something like that i think and and, and that, maybe that's why in the movie i keep being portrayed as a sucker I still honestly believe that people have a good side of them. I, I'm, I'm the king of second and third chances, mm-hmm. but I keep getting my face slapped. I keep getting proved wrong, which is extremely disheartening. Mm-hmm. So when people like yourself say, hey, thank you very much. This is great. So and so forth. And I think you're making a difference. When somebody says on Instagram, hey, I talked to my son based on a picture you showed up, that just fuels the fire. That at the end of the day, if, if I had a debate with Tony Bosch face to face, what the fuck could he possibly say to me? Yeah. What would he say? You're a piece of shit. Why? Because I exposed you. You know. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no recourse for somebody like that. And but it's... you have to you have to turn over the rocks. You have to you know. And but what sucks is in Miami, especially Florida. Well, my Florida, especially mine. God, there's so much dirt and corruption and this and that. Where do you start? And and I have to say, Porter, just really quick, uh, in speaking to Billy yesterday and after watching the movie, you know, I, I now that you're here, I'm going to be frank and really honest with you. I felt like, what you know, why, how did this guy get involved in this whole thing? Why did he handle it this way? So on and so forth. But in having you here today and, and in talking to you and in, learning more about, you know, what you're about. I, I just have to say, you know, I commend you and, and, you know, what you did took courage. And I don't know if I would have done it, handled it the same way, 
Um, and I just want to thank you for coming on the show and being candid with us and, and, uh, and, you know, speaking from the heart. And, uh, if there's anything you need, you know, you can be a guest here anytime you need help setting anything up with a podcast or anything like that, you know, my number, feel free to call. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Well, yeah, guys, that means a lot. And thank you very much for having me. You guys have been awesome. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll connect in the future. And again, you guys are doing a fantastic job. And thank you very much for letting me just voice my opinion. Everybody Absolutely. go out and see the movie. Go see the yeah, movie. Definitely. definitely. Thank you. Cool. Right. It's out there, video on demand. Thank you, and you can watch it in select theaters. Thanks again. our interview with porter fisher shout out to the porter project that's actually his twitter handle as well uh you can follow him on twitter the porter project and uh i hope you guys enjoyed it music by vm varga artwork by luigi gomez i don't remember what his handles are these days because he changes it so often so and a mystery. yeah and uh that is the welcome to the show podcast for you peace peace out peace